From the bottom of my heart, I thank you for inviting me back home. I am humbled and I'm grateful. I'll do my very best to prove worthy of the honor you've bestowed upon me. You have not come to hear me today if you've come for the right reason. You've come to hear the precious, powerful, soul-saving gospel of Jesus. We are here to worship and extol our God, not one another, but of course to love one another and show kindness to one another. And you've been so kind to Barbara and to me already. She is sitting in the back. She isn't mad at me. She's sitting with our son James and his family. And we're so grateful that they are here, Marcia and Tom with them. Good to see them again. There will be some repetition in the three messages because they are so closely related, but that's good. The repetitive process is the best way of learning. The more you repeat it, the more you remember it. And the more you study it, the more familiar with it you become. So I do not apologize for some repetition. In fact, it is intentional. In this lesson, lesson in our homecoming, we speak of the family of God. Our text has been read. In our Bible class this morning, we considered our three homes. Now we concentrate especially on our spiritual home, the church, the family of God. God's church is referred to in Scripture as a house, or more properly, a family. In our text, the church is referred to as the household of God. 1 Timothy 3.15 speaks of the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And Hebrews 3, verse 6, declares Jesus to be a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. The term house designates a family and a family relationship. And it is this relationship we enjoy as children of God that we wish to consider this morning. First, let us consider the family relationship that exists between God, Christ, and Christians. God is the Father, literally, because He created everything. He spoke, and there it was. How powerful! What miracles! And he created us in his own image. He formed a lump of dust and breathed into that lump and man became a living soul. That means within every one of us there's a little piece of God. He exhaled and some of him went into that body and that's us. A little precious piece of God. First let's consider how... Spiritually, we are born again and saved by His grace. He created us. And then He recreated us. We're born of water, John 3, 5. It is a regeneration, Romans 6, 1 through 18. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God over His own house. Consider Hebrews 3, verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. 
if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. He is given charge as an elder brother, Matthew 28, 18. He refers to those who would follow him as my brethren, Matthew 25, 40. All Christians are children of God through Christ and brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, brother is not a title. It is a definition of relationship. When you call me Brother Jack, or I call you brother or sister so-and-so, it is not to confer you with a title, but to acknowledge you in a dear, precious relationship via God's grace and Jesus our Lord. Some years ago in Tennessee, a young child just called me Jack. And his mother said, call him Brother Jack. Well, I appreciate respect, but I was satisfied with Jack. But she wanted to teach her child some respect, and that's good. We should teach our children respect, especially for men of God who spend their life in service to him. But we do not revere us. I'm not reverend. Holy and reverend is his name, God's name. I leave it to him. I'm not worthy of that. But certainly we show one another respect and love. Romans 18, or Romans 8, 16 and 17 reads, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. So, brothers and sisters, a definition of relationship, not a title. Next, let's consider the uniqueness of our relationship as members together in the family of God. God the Father has only one family. Ephesians 3, 14 through 15 speaks of the whole family in heaven and earth being named after our Lord Jesus Christ. Only one head of a household. That's God the Father. And of course Ephesians 1 says that he made the son the head over the body, which is the church. A father has only one family. Now that's the house of God, 1 Timothy 3.15. The family is the church, the church of God. And there's just one church. Again, Ephesians 1.21-22. Ephesians 4.4, one body. All spiritual blessings are found in the one spiritual body through Christ. Ephesians 1.3. If you're outside of Christ, you're void of these blessings. What are they? They are the fellowship together. They are reconciliation and fellowship with the Father. They are the power of prayer, John 9.31. We know that God heareth not sinners. And so he attunes his ear to the prayers of those who are his children. That's a blessing found only in Christ and in the church as members of that body. And again, we do not speak of a building. We speak of a body of people as we are this morning gathered together to worship our God. The Father has made Jesus to be head over the church, Ephesians 1, and 23. And in this one family, we have all the blessings afforded. Outside the family, no access to these blessings. Let me give you a simple example. You have a family, and your neighbors on both sides of you have families. You have a duty to care for your family. They have duty to care for their family. 
You have no obligation to care for their families, but for your own, unless, of course, tragedy befalls. And then you can be compassionate and help them, but you're not obligated to except out of human compassion and tragedy. Your duty is to clothe your children and care for your children and care for your spouse. And that's what they expect of you. That's your duty. Unfortunately, today, with a home in such a disarray, that is not how it is, but that's how it's supposed to be. So, all God's children are in his one family. He nurtures them. He cares for them. They are put there because they are saved and under his guidance. We are born into this family, John 3, 5, born of water and the Spirit. Romans 6, 1 through 18, born through regeneration by being baptized into Christ and his death and to rise up to walk in newness of life. A new creature, gone from the way of sin, now attuned to the way of righteousness. And having obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine delivered us, then we were made free and became servants of righteousness, Romans 6, 17 and 18. That's the regenerating process. We become children and heirs through Christ by the grace of God, Romans 8, 16 and 17. Now let's consider the duty this relationship demands. As a member of a family, you have duty. You have duty as children to obey your parents and to love one another. Parents have a duty to their children to care for them and raise them up and to nurture in the admonition of the Lord. A husband has a duty to his family and his wife. A wife has a duty to her husband and her children. All of us have duties and things to do. And in our house, as our children total six living, for most part we had about five most of the time, we all had duties. You had to have with that many in the family. And so each of our children had their duties. And they would do those duties. And if they didn't do those duties, there'd be repercussions, mostly for Mama. And if you didn't listen to her, then she said, I'm going to tell your dad. That didn't usually do much good, but she tried. And so did I, especially with Mark. Right, James? <laughs> he was the stubborn one in the family. He is our second oldest son. I love all of my children. I love all of my grandchildren. And I'm grateful God has blessed me with them. And we've had a wonderful relationship. And Barbara and I have been married 54 years. And we intend to stay that way till one or both of us die. Think about that. What about you? What about your family? What about the family of God? Dare we divorce ourselves from that family, leave that family, show no concern for that family, fail in our duties to that family? There is a fact. Once you're in a family, you're always in the family. You can't be unborn. However, you can become disobedient and be disinherited. Ephesians 5, 6, Hebrews 2, 2. You can be disinherited. You may still be a son, but you can be disinherited or a daughter as the case may be. A family wears the family name. Ephesians 3, 14 through 15, whole family in heaven and earth named after our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts eleven twenty six says they were called Christians first at Antioch. 1 Peter 4, 16 says if any man suffers a Christian, let him glorify God on this behalf. There is a stamp of approval by the Holy Spirit and by divine inspiration on the name Christian. Now there are those who object to it and wear some other name. 
Christian is good enough for me. It was good enough for Peter and Paul. A stamp of approval by the Holy Spirit. We can be satisfied with that name. We are to call on the name of Christ. Romans 10.13 Acts 4.10-12 makes it clear. There is salvation in no other name under heaven or earth than the name of Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. We wear his name. Now what does Christian mean? It means Christ-like. It means to be like Christ. Be careful when you wear that name. It says something. And believe me, the world looks. And they see. And they expect a lot more from Christians than we generally give. Maybe that's why there are so many who are not Christians. Because we fail. And we do not let our light shine. Are you a Christian just on Sunday morning during the worship service? Are you a Christian 24-7 every day of the week? That's what we should be. Like Christ. Like Him means to follow His example, to follow His words, to follow His teaching. That's why we have the New Testament. It demands that we be separate from the world. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And I will be to you a father and you will be to me as sons and daughters. A special relationship. But it means that we are loyal to that relationship. We are separate from the world. James 4, 4, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore is the friend of the world is the enemy of God. We have to understand that. We have to maintain brotherly love. Hebrews 13, 1, let brotherly love continue. Maintain it. Would you choke if you had to say to some brother or sister here in this audience this morning, I love you, because you don't? Because you're mad at them? Because you're angry with them? Have you ever had a family spat? Of course you have. But it's the making up that helps heal those wounds, isn't it? It's the saying, I'm sorry, I love you. I've said that a few times to my wife, to my sons and daughters, to my grandchildren. I've made mistakes. And I've gotten angry when I shouldn't or more angry than I should. Haven't you? And so we make up. I'm sorry. I wish I hadn't done that. We have to do that with one another once in a while as members of the family of God too, don't we? But it's important that we do. Our Lord made it clear, if you do not forgive others, our Lord will not forgive you. Matthew 6 in his great prayer, our example prayer to us. Forgiveness is predicated on being forgiving. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And so we have to have love. If we really love one another, we're going to take care of one another, and we're going to work together. Have you ever noticed in any given congregation, there's a workforce and it's usually very small, and all the rest of them let you do it. You ever noticed that? When there's work to be done, the elders pretty well know who can they can, can count on in every congregation, right? They pretty well know. And they know who won't be there when there's work to be done, or a class to be taught, or a building to be cleaned, or a lawn to be mowed, whatever. And so let your love one for another. And let's prove it. Do you ever come home, your spouse meets you at the door, and they say, do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you really, really love me? You say, uh-oh, what have you done? Right? Reminds me of a time that Barbara and I had a spat. She said, all right, since you're mad at me anyway, I got a ticket this week. Here it is. I said, great, you pay it. Wasn't great. Didn't like it. I had to pay it anyway. That really happened. 
But things like that happen, don't they? But you know what? I still love her. And you know, it really isn't cold soup, I fear. I fear more her saying, fix it yourself. That's when it's rough. You know, I can, I can do some things, but cook I can't. And so the blessing of her, well, let's not get into that. Her meals have been good. When we got married, I weighed 136 pounds soaking wet with my clothes on. Now I weigh <coughs> about 205. She did that. Loving care and plenty of good food, and I love her good cooking. How important it is. We're going to have some good cooking this afternoon. The family's going to get together. We're going to enjoy it. Be glad I didn't fix anything. Because I just ain't that good a cook. And so you can see how important a family relationship is. The blessings include we can approach God as our Father. You know, there's a special relationship between children and their father. How important it is that God would take the time to be my father when I'm so unworthy and to love me and you. We can honor Jesus as our elder brother. What an example he sets. We have access to all those spiritual blessings. God as our father cares for us and provides for us. God as our Father protects us. I was sure when I was a little boy, my dad could whip anybody. I almost got him in a fight one time. Me and a boy had a fight. I said, my dad can whip yours. He said, he cannot. His dad was 6'5". My dad was six, or six foot. My, glad was, my dad was glad when his father didn't come out. Think about it. But I was sure he could. I thought my dad could do anything. I guess small kids think that. They grow up and learn better, especially when they become a dad. When my kids would break something, they would bring it to me. They were sure I could fix it. There was a time or two I couldn't. Now you think about those things. Our Father is all-powerful. He can do anything. He'll take care of those who abuse us. Vengeance is mine, he says. Fear not them which kill the body, our elder brother said. Jesus, our Lord, fear him who can kill both the body and soul. As God's children... In the family of God, the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have a wonderful relationship. A relationship of love, 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. All of our children are natural born by the gift of God, but what of those who adopt children? I think that would be a really special relationship, that someone would choose me. My parents didn't have a choice, so they got what they got. But to be able to choose somebody, wouldn't that be something? He's adopted us. He loves us. He cares for us. And John 14, 15, our Lord said, If you love me, keep my commandments. We love the Father for His grace. We love the Son for His sacrifice. We prove it. How do we prove it? If you love me, what? You'll do things for me? You'll sacrifice for me. You'll take care of me. Do we love the Father? We know He loves us. And we rely on that love. But do we love Him? He relies on that. Not that He needs it. He could exist without it. But He wants it. And if we don't love Him, we'll face His wrath. How wonderful that we can be the born-again children of God. That's who we are here this morning if you're a member of the Lord's Church. 
We are all brothers and sisters of Christ, born-again children of God. I hope every one of you here this morning is a Christian. That makes us brothers, or brothers and sisters, as the case may be. How wonderful that is, together. And Christ, the word together is so important. I have a sermon on it. I'm not going to preach it also, so don't worry about it. But together is very, very wonderful word. None of these blessings, this relationship cannot be found outside of the house of God. Cannot be found. You have to be a member of the family. Wear the family name. Be involved in family activities. It is promised only to those who wear and honor the name of Christ. Again, Acts 4.12. Not to those who've never named that name. Matthew 10, 32, 33. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me, I will deny you. Not to those who have blasphemed that holy name. Romans 2.24. It grieves me when I hear people take the name of God or the name of Jesus or holy things in vain. Just as something you would say when you hit your thumb with a hammer without any thought or forethought. They are sacred names. They should be said with deep respect and with great meaning. Or to those who have done despite to that holy name. They once professed, Hebrews 10 26 through 31. They once were faithful members of the church, but they turned away. They left. They become unfaithful. And for this, they face the wrath of God. And our God is a God of fiery vengeance. How then do we become children together and members of this family, the family of God? Well, we've noted, be born again by water and the Spirit, John 3, 3 through 5. This refers to baptism in water in the name of Christ for remission of sins. Out of an obedient heart willing to please God. It has come as a result of faith. Faith is the victory, 1 John 5, 1. It comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And by doing righteousness, 1 John 2, 29. By obeying the word of God, 1 Peter 2, 22 and 23. Born again through obeying the word of God. So we hear, we believe, we confess. And we're baptized, immersed in water, into Jesus and his church. To rise up and live a new life. 1 John 3, 9 says, Whosoever is born of God no longer continues in sin. I've given up that way. And so now I live for Jesus who died for me. However, it's not easy to live the Christian life. We Christians are human beings and we're not perfect. We stumble, we fall, we sin. If any man says he hasn't sinned, he would make God a liar. John says, 1 John 1, 7 through 10. When that happens, we repent of our sins, we confess them to God, we pray God to forgive us and restore us to the household of faith. And He promises to. He will do that. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. And so He's provided a way. And that way is in Christ. It's found by being a faithful member of the Lord's church. And by living for Jesus through the precepts of God's word, especially the gospel of Christ, which leads us and guides us. Are you a member of the family of God? If not, don't you wish you were? You don't have to wish for it. You can do it. Do you want to be? How many times have you heard the gospel preached? How much does it take to encourage you to become a Christian? What can we do? Well, we've given all the incentive we can 
Now you decide in your own heart. God loves you. Jesus loved you so much he died for you. The door is open. The invitation is given. If you're subject to it, we invite you to come to Jesus as we stand and as we sing. Sanctified throne. Why?